All right, let's get it. If you're in the building right now, make your way to the main room, grab a seat. We're getting ready to kick off this next panel, all right? Clouds of color. I need everybody to trickle in, grab a seat. We're getting ready to kick that off. We have dope panelists, dope discussions, lots of gems. Like I said, my name is Swaggy C. Shout out to SoundCloud and Acura for putting this together. I'm gonna let you make your way, grab a seat. It looks like they starting to slim down, so grab one of those as soon as you can. And let's get ready to kick this off. How's everybody feeling? We feeling good? Nah, how's everybody feeling? We feeling good or what? Come on. Man, listen. Outside is open. I mean, hey, I know it's not as sunny as we would like it to be, but it's beautiful because we're able to do this, right? We were stuck inside for a minute, so I'm glad that we're able to reconnect in person, what they call in real life, IRL. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so we got to make sure the vibe is right, the energy is right. So how you feeling? You feeling good or what? There we go. What's up for Brooklyn? Let me get that. Yeah. All right, I think we ready. I think we ready. SoundCloud, I think we ready. So if you did not know, June is Black Music Month. Hold on, June is Black Music Month. Here we go. And of course, in honor of Black Music Month, right here on SoundCloud, we are celebrating by putting together this conversation, Clouds of Color, where we will be highlighting a, such a, do, a diverse and dope group of people, including Brooklyn Johnny. You might know who Brooklyn Johnny is. If you don't know, you're gonna get familiar. Uh, we also have so many people who's gonna be entering the stage. I'm gonna list our panelists. But uh, we're bringing you that journey for the first time live right here on this stage. And I want you guys to pay attention because each and every person has a journey. And this conversation with different executives is important, right? Because they help take some artists some superstars that you may have heard of to the next level. When you open up your phone, I'm sure that's the first people that you see, okay? So again, we're gonna ready to kick off this next panel right here on this stage, man. The Clouds of Color, The Journey, live with Brooklyn Johnny. And here are some of our panelists, all right? I got Erica Montez, right here, who is the Global Head of Artists and Label Partnerships. Erica Montez, let's welcome Erica Montez to the stage. Please help me welcome Jasmine Edwards. Jasmine Edwards, right here. Director of the Workplace in SoundCloud. You know, we gotta worry about that diversity, baby. It's Black Music Month. And last but not least, we are spotlighting Brooklyn Johnny in his journey live right here. The Clouds of Color, SoundCloud, Next Wave, right here. Make sure you guys are paying attention. Let's go. Next Wave Brooklyn. If you're having a good time, let me hear you say, you're I've always wanted to do the your thing. I've always wanted to do that. Can we get the mics on here? My lovely co-hosts. Hey. 
Yo, yo, yo. We can do this. Hello? We can do it. I don't need it. Here. You use this mic. Okay. We'll use this mic. Okay. He is a Grammy Award-winning executive who has helped catapult the careers of some of today's biggest acts. Think Kodak Black, Cardi B, Dream Doll. Yes. <laughs> oh, we got some Dream Doll fans. Oh, yes. He's an A&R. He is a manager and the CEO of his own label, District 18 Entertainment, whose goal is to be the home of the next generation of superstars. Thank you for being here with us, Thank Brooklyn you for Johnny. Me. Thank you for having me. All right, so for those in the audience that's wondering, Brooklyn Johnny, okay? Obviously, you're from Brooklyn, but rep your hood East for Flatbush. us one. Oh, East Flatbush in the building. Anybody from East Flatbush in the building? All right, y'all a little thin in here. Canarsie. Oh, Claren and Claren Road is That's all right. Flatbush. You can rep your hood. So tell us, though. A lot of tell us, us don't make it to success, so. Uh, all right. It's a rough place. So tell us, like, how did the name come about? Was this a family name? Did somebody start calling you this on the street? Like, what happened? When I first got into the music business, um, I did a lot of traveling, and there were a lot of Johnnies in the business. So people would always be like, which Johnny? You know what I mean? And then um, over time, people would just be like, the Johnny from Brooklyn, the Johnny from Brooklyn. Because believe it or not, where we from in Brooklyn, there ain't a lot of us in the industry like that. Right. So when you meet somebody from Brooklyn, people be like dumbfounded. They be like, you from Brooklyn, tell me? That's crazy. Like, they only know Williamsburg, so they want to know about like, that's where Biggie from, that's where Jay-Z from. Right. People don't realize that because we, we here in the city. So Brooklyn just seems like, oh, it's right there. Yeah. When you go, when you leave the state and you go to Miami or you go to LA or you in the Bay or Texas, people look at you like you're really from space. <laughs> they be like, oh, they really do music there for real. You know what I'm saying? So. Um, what happened was, over time, people kept being like the Johnny from Brooklyn, the Johnny from Brooklyn, and then DJ Clark Kent, you know, he's somebody that's really, really close to me. He just was like, man, we gotta stop with this Johnny from Brooklyn shit. We just gonna just make it Brooklyn Johnny, and then after that, like, it just, everybody just ran with it. Now it's literally a legendary name, a Grammy Award woman I mean, name. Brooklyn is a legendary place. <laughs> Facts. All right, so we are doing the journey live in Brooklyn, which is just amazing, right? And so talk to us, let's journey back through your musical career. What was like some of your early, what was young Brooklyn Johnny listening to like back in the day? What were your musical influences? So I'm from East Flatbush, and a lot of people don't know, but East Flatbush is, and Flatbush is very, um, it's a lot of Caribbean people. Mm -hmm. You know, my parents are from the Caribbean. They're from Barbados and St. Lucia. And uh, where we grew up, there's a lot of Haitians and Jamaicans. And um, we grew up listening to reggae, dancehall, you know, um, which is kind of crazy because we listen to a lot of like, you know, dancehall music is, is, is kind of contradictory. Like, yeah. you know, it's, it's a, lot of, a lot of negativity in it, but then there's a lot of positivity in it at the same time. So like, you know, you'll go to a party, um, whether we like BEC or Club Warehouse or whatever when I was growing up and people are like, or the art, people are be, playing like the dance hall, like war rhythm type music. Mm -hmm. And then towards the end of the party, they'll start playing like more like love type Jamaican records, trying to calm the party down before the shootout after. So it's kind of <laughs> crazy. It's like, so we, we grew up mostly on that. And then as far as hip hop, you know, we all grew up listening to Hot 97. And I feel like my early 
favorites in music, you know, obviously Jay-Z. Come that on. Was a, that was a big one. Um, but for me personally, I really, like, fell in love with Down South music. Mm. You know, um, <laughs> I fell in love with, um, I think, I would say the first album that I really listened to that made me feel like, oh, nah, I fuck with this music shit on a different level. It was um, Juvenile's um, Juvenile album that he put out. That shit was like, that shit just changed my whole mindset. And then, you know, seeing Lil Wayne and all of them, like, they kind of embraced themselves a different way. You know, being here from the city is something that I talk about a lot amongst my peers, the people out of gatekeepers here, that I feel like New York, don't, we don't support our artists the way we're supposed to. And because of it, it the, the people feel that. You know, it's almost like you got to do something incredible or go viral or just be astronomical to really get attention. And I think that that's a, a big part of what happens, especially in Brooklyn. In Brooklyn, if you ever realize, a lot of our artists that became very successful in recent history, they did some wild boy shit to get the attention. Yeah. You know, whether it's a bang out, whether they jumping up on an ice cream truck, whether they done wild up the, the mall or, or, or Madison Square Garden, whatever it is, it's always something wild to get the attention. When you look at artists that's from Uptown, like Harlem, you know, Harlem and Uptown, they known for getting jiggy, fly. You know yeah. what I'm saying? That's what they do, they, they, they get dressed. So yeah. they make the smooth mace type music and you know, they be on that vibe. But when you get to Brooklyn, it's like people almost expect us to just be wild. Yeah. So then that's what they want to see and then that's what they gravitate towards and then that's what makes our artists create that type of music. But um, you know, it's, it's like, like I said, Brooklyn, growing up in Brooklyn, the music, that, that really influences, I feel like Jay-Z is a big part of it. Um, the Locks, yeah. you know, listen to a lot of Jay to Kiss. Um, and then you got the mixtape DJs, you can't forget them. You got DJ Clue, DJ Envy, you know, DJ Drama with his Gangsta Grill. So those are the things that really like, really pull me into music. And then Texas, you know, Houston, Texas, Swisher House, you know, so, oh, she gotta be from Houston. You better rep your hood. <laughs> you know what I mean? Swisher House was a big one, you know, um, and then, West Coast, you got Snoop Dogg. Come on, you know, West we grew Coast. Up on Snoop, like for real, for real. You know them and all the, you know the the whole just the whole dog pound. You know so. Yeah. For sure. So you said that New York, and rightfully so. There's a lot of hidden talent in New York. So many talented people, borough from borough. What would you say was that moment that you knew, like I need to get into the music industry? Like what was that factor that? Want, that you knew that you wanted to get into it? I mean, I never really wanted to get into music. Okay. Um, shit, I, I grew up in a construction family. Um, you know, I had a lot of problems in high school, as most kids growing up in the city did. You know, I went to like eight high schools. Like, you can really look that shit up. Like, I went to eight high schools. Okay. You know, superintendent suspension, <laughs> leaving handcuffs, all kind of shit. So it's like, um, I, didn't, I didn't have that as a plan, you know. Um, I actually kind of went, after I, I graduated, it's crazy, I graduated out of high school without having to pass gym. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't get undressed in 40 minutes and then sweat and then put clothes back on and go through the rest of the day. I couldn't do it. <laughs> so I literally never went to gym. Okay. And then I, um, it's funny, my last year of school, the, teacher, the um, guidance counselor was like, well, you can't graduate because you never right. passed gym before. So he was like, but I got a solution for you. There's a school called Midwood Night. He was like, if you drop out of day school and go to that school, they don't have a gym. Because uh. it was in Midwood, but they didn't have access to the gym. So it was like, just go in there and take one class, and you'll graduate. So I did that, 
And then um, I always got to find a way to work the system. <laughs> and then um, I did that. And then, because I always used to get gym like first period. You can't sweat and then go through the whole day sweaty. Like, you can't do that. Then, um, so I graduated out of there and I went to school for architecture. And it was a, a, a night program. And um, I didn't, I wasn't really into it. You know, I did a lot of the classes and I learned some things, but I wasn't into it. So I was just running around the street, making money how I was making money. You know, um, doing fly shit, go uptown to Rucka, go mess with everybody up there. Um, and I just moved around the city a lot. And then I, I met these, well, not met these, I went to school, one of my high schools, I went to school with these producers. And they um, was like, yo, you got to listen to our music. You be with everybody, you know, you be with all the popping artists and all that shit. And it was like, yo, you know, just playing my stuff. And I'm not thinking about doing nothing with music. I'm just doing my thing. I'm enjoying myself. And uh, I played. I played their music for um, Clark, for DJ Clark Kent. You know, he was real close to me. He's from Brooklyn, too. And um, he was like, yo, this shit is fire. And then like, he's like, yo, you know, get a lawyer, start a company, do this. And then I just started. And then one thing led to another. It was producer on producer, and artist on artist, and then, you know, label exec, label exec. So just a lot of things just started picking up from there. So, you know, that, that's where I started in music, for real. Okay, so... Through all that, though, you owned a studio somewhere in there. So, yeah. Yeah, so after I met them, after I, not met them, after I started working with the producers, I was like, well, shit, y'all need some place to work because I'm not coming to y'all house. They live in East New York. Yep. Right. And, like, you know, I'm driving a drop top six. Like, I'm not going to East New York and be in your house at 3 o'clock in the morning. And, you know, it's wicked where we from. So, um, so I said, you know what, I'm going to build a studio. So... There was a warehouse on Dean Street in Grand, um, that's Prospect Heights, and um, I knew somebody who had a spot in there, and the top floor was vacant. Like, I'm talking about this top floor might have been like 10,000 square feet. And um, it was like, you know, we, I met the owner, and he was like, you know, you could have the whole top floor. We did a lease, and we built it out. We built a whole big studio room, and it came out really good. It, the, the place is huge. Imagine being like 22 years old, and you got this whole warehouse that you could literally just have a ton of people come through. It was like gang was in there. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was snowing. We'd be in there for like three, four days. Nobody would leave. Everybody just come in there. A lot of executives started coming there. Um, we had a basketball court in there. Like, it was just some fly shit to do. And it made me, like, really love music because you get the people and, you know, everybody's hopeful and they're excited and they got ideas of flowing. So, you know, this was a good creative start. Is this where you ended up crossing paths with Kodak Black and Cardi B? No? So Tell what happened that with that place was, I had that place for probably about two years, and I was in Los Angeles, and one of my engineers called me, who was like, yo, there's a, a sign on the door. So the sign said, the marshals have seized this building. And um, I was like, damn, well, what the hell happened? I called the owner, and then I came to find out we were paying the owner, but he wasn't paying the bank. So he was just basically collecting whatever he could collect in the last few months or a few years or whatever, and he wasn't paying the bank, so they seized it. We had to go to court to get our stuff back, but that's neither here nor there. We closed that up, and I opened the studio on um, Broadway. Oh, listen, when it comes to music, all kind of shit make it difficult for you to, right. you come across all kind of hurdles, obstacles, people get killed, people get sick, like all kind of stuff yeah. happen. You know, um, sometimes when you see an artist with success, you just know they went through a lot of shit to get there. But um, we opened a studio on Broadway between Prince and Houston, and, you know, we just did a lot of incredible stuff in there. Okay, but wait. Oh, so now uh, Kodak. I met Kodak. 
when I when I met Kodak through one of my business partners, AD, what happened was when I, I saw Kodak in a video on YouTube, and it was none of the songs anybody's probably ever heard, but he had done something in the video that made me like, it's terrible, but it made me um, feel like I see some of me in him. You know, um, I'll tell you what he was doing. So he was doing little mischievous stuff like climbing in through people's windows. Like, you understand, like I'm from Brooklyn for real. Like I'm not from like this, this other thing they show you on the TV. But um, he, uh, like, people would pull up to the store and leave their cars running, and he would hop in the car and drive off in it. It's something about it, like, it was, it's, yeah, it's wrong, but it was still had innocence to it. You related, though. You know what I mean? I was like, <laughs> I like this kid. And then um, he had, a, uh, he had like, a firearm with tape on it. I just was like, this is really a Dennis the Menace type of kid, but, but he, he had my attention. <laughs> and um, I reached out to the person that he was signed to at the time, and me and them came together and did a partnership. Um, and when he came home, we just got on the road because he was locked up at the time, which made it even crazier. Yeah. He was in a juvenile detention center, like a juvenile fed prison. But, um, you know, he's, I, don't, I ain't never met nobody that, no me that could come up with melody like that. Like, he dreamed melody. He just wake up and just, like, it ain't nobody like that kid. So you saw me. I was just with him actually two days, three days ago. And uh, for his birthday. Oh, for his... Yeah, Kodak Day, Day Miami, you know, Pompano, yeah. Pompano Beach. Pompano, yeah. yeah. Pompano, not Miami. There's been a lot of uh, discrepancies about that. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's Pompano Beach. So you saw something that was relatable to you and him. What is it that you saw in Cardi? Um, it's funny. The person that uh, introduced me to, to Cardi was um, Ron Stewart. You know, he's uh, he actually the head of Urban Promo now at Warner. And um, I met her at the radio station. She, uh, she went up there one day, and this was like kind of, like, I think maybe when she first got on Love & Hip Hop, and she just happened to be up there. And she wasn't promoting music or nothing, she was just up there, and I met her in passing. And it was like crazy because some people do a really good job at, in, five, in three seconds, make you like them. Like she just was like, you know, I saw I was like, it was good. It was like, oh, this is Cardi. You know, you should listen to her stuff or tap in with her or whatever. And I was like, hey, what's up? And she was like, hey, how you doing, baby? You know what I'm saying? Like, she's just, she's just very, she know how to warm or work a room fast, like quick. Um, and uh, after that, I really tapped into her music and you know, listened to what she had put out in this one mixtape. And what I felt from listening to it was that if we could get in there and really like guide her and coach her, she, she'd be able to turn into something crazy, and boy. Boom is right, crazy. yeah. Mm -hmm. That happened. Um, what is the most special record that you have worked on? I would have to say WAP. The reason why is because it had so many obstacles. It's very special for all of us. Yeah, yes. it, had a lot, it had a lot of obstacles because one, it's a record that, that uh, was created during the pandemic. You know, um, we did a lot of recording during the pandemic in my house in L.A. And um, it's so crazy because I, we were, I was staying in hotels for like two, three months. And that's a real uncomfortable thing to do, to stay in a hotel so long. And um, I literally, this is before we knew anything was happening with COVID. And I was like, you know what, I got to get a house that we could just work out of. Because a lot of times, especially in music, people start to realize that it's not really like a nine to five job. So sometimes you gotta go when you're in the mood. 
And the problem is that's a really expensive way to, to do studio time. Because sometimes, you know, we work in nice studios, so sometimes we're spending two, $3,000 a night. You know, some nights we don't even show up. So, and it's not because we're being um, negligent, but it's just, may not be in that vibe, you know what I mean? The weather might not be good. You, know, you can eat something that upsets your stomach, you know? People got other things to deal with, relationship, et cetera, et cetera. So I was like, nah, this is not working. We're just blowing a lot of bread. So I was like, let me just get a house and I'll make a studio in one of the rooms and we're just working there. And uh, we did that. And then like, yo, I mean, it might be a week after I got the booth built, they shut the whole country down. I was like, this shit's crazy. But the timing was just so crazy. So if, you, if anybody realizes, like, there was a time in the beginning of the pandemic when Cardi had went viral for running through some Jenga blocks. Did anybody see that? It was, like, everywhere. She, like, just, like, it was like we were losing our minds. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And um, that was in my house. And we worked on a lot of music. And WAP was one of the records, was the first record that came out of what we worked on. Wow. And it had a lot of challenges because, you know, it's a raunchy song. And, um... Everybody tried to yeah, everybody tried to convince me to to for us to not put it out. You know, we 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 live in just a weird like, time. Who did? Just <laughs> everybody, all the streaming partners, all the radio people. We just live in a weird time where it's like people are so like we're moving forward but backwards at the same time. It's just weird. It's like they want you to be liberal, but then they don't want you to talk about certain things, and you can't talk about this, but you could do this. And, we living in a crazy time. Tell me about it. You know what I mean? And I just feel like everybody just was just so adamant about, no, don't put that out. Nobody's going to play it. They're not going to play it in the Bible. They're not going to this. They're not going to that. And we're like, nah, we're going to shoot the video. Cardi was like, nah, we're going to kill this. She spent a lot of time rehearsing dance moves. And like she, I would say she prepared for the video maybe for two months. You know, um, and then we, we shot the video and we put the whole thing out and it just went crazy. And it was so crazy because the song did so well and they hated it so much before we put it out that now they have a kids' bop version. It's called Wings and Pizza. It's crazy. Wings and Pizza? And I think I just got something on my phone. Like when I was sitting in the back, they were like, WAP is a certified diamond now. So you're talking about going diamond in like a year and a half. That's crazy. Yes, give it up. Give it up. That's a fourth time she did it. It's a fourth diamond record. Well, we're definitely glad you brought that out because I feel like it just brought a lot of excitement to an otherwise dull year. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Okay, so we're going to go from your most special record to I always feel that I learn my biggest lessons when I kind of go through something that isn't so great. So what do you think is your biggest disappointment and what was the biggest lesson that came I out think, of it? I think a big, the biggest disappointment, and if there's any managers in here and artists because y'all need to hear this shit, um, as, a, as a manager, we put a lot of ourselves into an artist that, especially when you're not known, you know, um, I try to explain that to artists sometimes. It's like, you can't pay us some money because you don't make money. So we're dedicating our time, our time to you. And, and, and in the midst of that, like, we're ruining our own personal relationships. Like, like if you have a girlfriend or even like your own family members, like your, you know, your mom's, brothers, your sisters, whatever. It's like you neglect everything that you're doing because you believe in what this artist is trying to do. And I feel like artists always take it for granted. And sometimes I try to help them understand, like, look, 
Imagine waking up and saying your manager's name 100 times a day. They can't imagine that, but you do that for them. You know, and um, I think that the, the, the biggest disappointment is when you work really hard to try to make something to somebody and they don't understand that and they just let it fall apart. Whether it be because they get into an intimate relationship with somebody and they just give up on their dream or, you know, they just can't stay out of trouble. Listen, I don't, I don't, I don't, there's nothing, I don't feel like there's anything, I don't have anything against somebody who is out there getting money and they happen to get into trouble while they're trying to chase their dream. What I can't understand though, is you ain't even getting the money. You just causing trouble. That I can't understand when, when you're trying to show somebody like, yo, like, like, you really can make it to the NBA of this music shit, but you just busy causing trouble. Y'all ain't even getting money. Y'all just causing trouble. So I think that they don't realize how that wears on us when we gotta go to court and sit down there and we gotta put up your bond and like, that, that right there is the, the, the hardest part of doing what we do, and they don't understand. And I think the number one thing that artists gotta understand as well is momentum. If I'm good at what I do, if I like you as an artist, I could catapult your career. The second you say something to me that I don't like, I'm gonna be off you. Because there's just too many people out there that want this opportunity. And artists don't understand that. So momentum is the one thing that I think that all artists and managers, they need to be able to understand. Because the moment, like Chanel is sitting here right now. Chanel, where you at? Where like, Chanel, like Chanel, if anything, she tried to be a buffer between me and artists that I manage or, or I got signed to my label because it's like, the second I feel like you give me the wrong energy, I'm off you. I can't do it. I, I, can't, I can't convince you to want to make money. You get what I'm saying? You ain't never did this before. How you telling me how it's done? So that's, that's definitely the biggest disappointment is when you spend a lot of time with an artist yeah. and it just can't make nothing of it. That is, I hope, I hope y'all are listening because that's, that's actually really real. Um, personal accomplishment. What is your proudest career milestone so far? Say that again? Your proudest career milestone so far. You've got a lot. <laughs> I think I got two. Um, first, I would say definitely us winning that Grammy for Best Rap Album. She was the first female to win the Grammy for that. That was a big one, because you know we had really big competitors in that category. So that was like a really big deal, because for a long time, you could only really win a Grammy if you did like a record like Alicia Keys, or if you did like a Beyonce album, or meaning something that that was more singer-based, hip-hop never really got the same notoriety when it came to the Grammys. So people would always like be like, I gotta find me a singer to win a Grammy. So for us to win it for hip-hop, for something that we didn't do, we didn't record that album thinking about winning a Grammy. We recorded that album just thinking about the streets gonna love this shit. And um, so that was a big one. And then another big one was um, uh, last year, I got a, um, a proclamation from the city for uh, Brooklyn Johnny there on August 3rd, so that was like a, that was a big one for me. You know, um, I said something, I said something to them the day I, when I was receiving the award that uh, they thought it was a little crazy, but I said it anyway. I said, you know what I know what's crazy? I said, y'all giving me this at City Hall, and it's like I fought for my freedom in the building that was right next door in the Supreme Court, and then I reported to probation for years, like years. 
across the street, and I was like, to be right here, standing here to get this, this is unbelievable. And they were just like, we didn't know that. And I was like, I got it now, though. <laughs> Which is just amazing. Congratulations on just all of your many accomplishments. Um, but you've worked in all different areas of the industry, right? From A&R to your own label at this point, right? How, like walk us through just like decision making, like when you're planning for the future, when you're planning for your label, like what influences your decision making for talent, um, for your teams, just like, what's the business mind of Johnny? Um, of today is definitely uh, the artist's work ethic. I feel like before, I had more like, it was a different kind of passion, so I would like, if I liked their music, I'd be like, oh no, I'm gonna make this work. But that, that's really a small part of it. Mm. You know, you, you, have to, you have to see their work ethic. They have to wanna, if an artist does not wanna outwork me, I'm not working with you. Because basically, I gotta drag you to do everything. Like, you have to, if an artist has a mentality like, Johnny, whether you with me or not, I'm going to make it. That's the kind of artist I wanna work with because they believe in themselves and they're not gonna let anything hold them back. The number one thing I see artists do a lot is they may not be in the perfect situation or they may have, um, they might be discontent with something that's going on and they decide to spite themselves by not putting out music or you know, sitting still, they'll be like, oh, I'm not talking to them, or, I'm not doing this right now. If you look at any of the artists that are really successful that went through a, a major beef or a major shift with the record company that they were with, they never stopped putting out music. So even though there was a beef with whoever they were signed to, whatever they had going on, they just kept it moving. And I think that a lot of artists don't understand that today. Okay, we have a lot of artists, managers, just people in the audience today, right? And it is Black Music Month. What advice would you give to those that are looking to break into the industry as an executive? Like, what advice would you give them? I'd say definitely use platforms like SoundCloud to, to, to discover artists. <laughs> um, I think that it's important to understand the difference between hype and what's actually making money. Mm. And, and I think that that's the big problem we have today with Instagram, is that you can watch something and be like, oh shit, this shit, was, this shit got 100,000 views in, in, a, in five hours. You think it's like the hottest shit, and then you go to the DSPs and the shit has like 100 streams. You know what I mean? There's a real big disconnect, and I think that, you know, um, I don't want to blame TikTok, because obviously it has its benefits, but TikTok starts to, it's starting to make our consumer be okay with listening to 15, 30 seconds or something and then be off of it. You get what I'm saying? So it's, a, it's, it's tricky. We have a lot of drill music today that's, going very, very viral, but then when you really double down and pay attention to it, a lot of the drill music doesn't stream. They look at it on YouTube. So I think that people need to really, un when you're thinking about working with an artist or becoming an executive, you have to make sure that you understand the difference between what's hype and what actually makes money. Agreed, agreed. Okay, so last question. We didn't talk much about your label, but you do have a label, District 18 Entertainment. Tell us what's coming up next. What should, what, what should we be on the lookout for? Um, sounding as a bunch of new artists. You know, we got Dream Doll. Obviously, you guys know it. She just uh, 
played at Summer Jam on the main stage. Um, she just came over with Tora Favio. Um, we got this artist named Taliban Duda. And I have a bunch of new young artists that I'm giving opportunities to from different places, Mississippi, Memphis, um, Miami. And um, I'm going to actually put a lot of them through SoundCloud first and let you guys do your thing with them before I kind of upstream them. Um, <laughs> um, you know, we're managing a lot of artists. Uh, one of our new artists that we just picked up is Sleazy World. I don't know if you guys are familiar. Yeah. We got a, a, a fire record out right now, and he's on tour. Um, Little Baby just did the remix. Um, actually, we got a record dropping tonight with Offset. So um, that, um, obviously, you know, we trying to get this Cardi B album out for y'all. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be amazing when it comes, you know, but um, we're definitely working at that. And um, I mean, do we get a first listen at that? I mean, yeah, I'm right. I'll talk to her and ask if she want to do it. <laughs> um, yeah, but outside of that, I'm just really focused on just signing artists from all over. Like, you know, we got an Afrobeats artist that we're looking at picking up. So, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of new for us because we just took our, we just, took our company from Sony and we brought it over to Warner. Okay. Um, you know, COVID definitely put, COVID was very hard for new artists because people were at home, everyone was at home, not just artists, but the, the gatekeepers, they were at home. And they were only really excited to talk to people who were already on fire. So if you only got so much time to talk to somebody and you're really looking at them through a screen, you can't get a vibe. So our bigger artists, got a lot of attention and our small artists kind of didn't get the same opportunities. So, you know, like Ty Bree from Cleveland and, and Pop Lord from Atlanta. But now that we're over at Warner, you know, there's a lot more opportunities now that the world's starting to open up. We were in there like three days ago and it was just crazy to see people in a room, you know, yeah. so. Cool. All right, really last, last question this time. And then we'll take questions from the audience. What is, tell us something about you that we would be surprised to know. Mm. I don't drink alcohol. I know I be looking lit, but I don't drink. People be like, oh, what you want to drink? You be drinking 40 to and I don't drink. Um, something, I say I don't go anywhere without intention. So I'm not a, like a, you're not going to just see me hanging out. If you see me someplace, you got to know that he up to something. You know, I don't, I'm not a, a hangout kind of person. I just feel like growing up where we came from, hanging out just always ended in some shit. So I don't go anywhere with intent, without intention. And you know, I think that's a big one. I think that if a lot more people adapted that mentality, yeah. they would be a lot more productive. So you know, I'm not a hang around guy. I love that, move with intention. I like that. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for sharing your journey with us. No problem. Everyone, Brooklyn Johnny. Jasmine, I'm gonna hand it to you for audience questions. Does anybody have any questions? Oh, this is like the price is right. All right, I think we have some runners. If you can, um, all right, yes, you first, and then we'll go with the lime green jacket because I like your blazer. Uh, tell us your name and then ask your question. Hi, I'm Kiana De La Cruz. I'm the host of Young and Lit, a media podcast. I just started it. And my question is, how do you navigate through setbacks? Like if you have um, something that's going good and then you have a few obstacles along the road, how do you navigate going forward knowing that, you know, this is something that you still want to do and you still want to keep going? Believe it or not, a big part of it is, is that, especially if you're now starting off as like a manager or even an artist, 
you have to have something that make you money outside of what you're doing initially. Because one thing about it is if you, hit, if you fall flat on your face and you ain't got no money, you're going to give this shit up. Because this, this, <laughs> this is not for the, for the week. This shit is crazy. You know, sometimes, you, sometimes I just wake up and we got a $70,000 bill for something. And we're like, what the hell caused this? And they're like, oh, well, this happened at this show. And then you got to take care of that and you got to get to the next thing. So, you know, it's very important that artists especially understand, like, don't quit your day job until this shit really start going for you because you will fall flat on your face and quit. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Um, young man in the back with the hat on. And then we're going to go to the young lady here with the lime green blazer. Um, this is for Miss Erica um, Montez. Hello. Um, are you familiar with the new site called Muso.ai, which is using AI to cal calculate all the stream data from not only SoundCloud, but also Spotify, YouTube, and basically creating more transparency for stream rates and for opportunities for you know, composers and producers, which I am. My name is Cass, keyboard producer. I'm a musician. Oh, okay. Wait, you were asking me if I'm familiar with it? Yes. I'm not. It's, it's, it's really, really, I think it's going to change the whole entire world. Cool. Do regarding... you want to show me after? Yes. Awesome. Yes. Okay, young lady right here with the lime green blazer. Just let us know your name and please ask your question. Hello, everyone. My name is Chilean. My question, I'm actually... You wrote your question now? No. Prepared. All right, so if you want to do... All right, so hello everyone. I'm gonna start again. My name is Chilean, also known as Apple the Dawn on Instagram. I am part of the management team for Chadster, so everyone check him out. He has a song out called Sin with Black, if you like black. What's your question? My question is, Brooklyn Johnny, do you do mentoring? Do I do mentoring? Yes. All the time, every time I talk to somebody about what they should do, that's mentorship. Mm, more like on a... Personal basis, like. Probably mean like, am I somebody's big brother or something like that? I, I mentor everybody around me. Whenever somebody asks me for advice, that's mentorship. Okay, so then I'm asking the wrong question. Like, me tag along behind you. Learn. You know what? Okay. Ex you, you exchange information <laughs> with Chanel, and we we'll definitely chop it up with you. Thank you so much. Um, last question, young lady here on the front. Um, do we have time for one more? Let's just take one more. We'll, do we lose the microphone? Right here. Thank you. Hi, everybody. I'm Smooth. I'm checking in from Connecticut. Salutations to all on the stage. Thank you for having me. Um, I want to ask Johnny a question. Um, with me being a multi-hyphenate, with you being a multi-hyphenate, how important is it? Which role do you think is most important? And how important do you think it is having a team of women, like incorporating women on your team? I mean, I, I have a lot of women on my team. You know, the person that I talk to all day, every day is Chanel. You know, she's a she's a, she been around me for shout out to Chanel for holding it down. Years. But um, you know, it, it is very important to have women on your team. But it's also important for if there's a male counterpart or a man who's running the company for them to be able to um, condition help condition and strengthen the woman that's around them. And the reason for that is that, you know, we're in a business where, I don't want to say just this business, just the world, you know, um, I feel like sometimes women get put in, like, very challenging situations. And, you know, sometimes they have to be able to call somebody that could, like, 
really break some teeth for them, you know? Um, so I think that it is very important to have women on your team, but I think it's also equally as important for you guys to have open dialogue with one another so that you don't have a team of women walking around like, well, I got to do this because, you know, I ain't going to let no man play with me. I can't, you can't, we can't have that mentality. We have to be able to work in tandem with each other. But it is important to have, a, you know, a male counterpart to help have your back for some of the people who don't understand that, you know? Thank you for answering my question. No problem. Just get the, then there's one well, more right there. Oh, her over there, over there. Can we get her a mic? Oh. Hi, my name is Toyin. I'm from Manhattan. And What's I have, up, Toya from Manhattan? I have two questions. Um, how do you personally deal with creative block? I know you work with a lot of different artists. How, you, how do you deal with like an artist being in a space or a time where they can't create or like bring anything to the table? When that happens, I'll tell a lot of artists, you should take a little vacation. You need to take a trip away from this. Go to some place that's very different than where you're from because that's where your creative block is coming from, especially if you're, as an artist that writes their own music. You are not, you're not experiencing new things, so there's nothing to really motivate you, and it works every time. Next question. What's and the next question? And my other question is, who is an artist, dead or alive, that you would love to collab with? I'd say probably Biggie and Michael Jackson. And Nipsey Hussle, again. Thank you. Thank you all. <laughs> Y'all, let's give it up one more time for Brooklyn Johnny. Check, check. Hey, you guys, so Johnny's going to come outside. If you want to ask him some questions, we'll just be out there. Come on. Here we go, there we go. Give it up again. Shout out to Brooklyn Johnny, man. Shout out to Erica. Shout out to Jasmine. This is the Next Wave SoundCloud. My name is Swaggy C. What up, bro? So the next panel is going to start in 15 minutes. So that means you better go get your photos in, get your games in, get your bevs in, grab some food for the back, and then you meet me right here, all right? Let's have some fun. Let's turn up. DJ Ken Dollars. I'm your host, Swaggy C. SoundCloud Acura. What up? <laughs> 